Welcome to this episode recorded at one of our free panel events held in early March in Nairobi. Another one will be held in May, so follow on social media to find out more about it. I really enjoyed this episode with Alex and Connor. I think they played off each other really well as we tackled the inequities and challenges of Kenyan expat relationships. And these are sensitive topics, and I think they bring a lot of nuance to the critiques of both their side and the other. This is definitely not advice on relationships. Please don't take it that way. But I think we do highlight some of the factors one needs to consider and and be aware of, particularly for expats. One of my key takeaways was the notion from Connor that you can see yourself as an exception to the stereotype of an expat, but that's not how the world will see you. And with the privilege you get, for being perceived as such, be it unsolicited or not, comes the responsibility of accepting and dealing with that in an appropriate way. And I thought he brought that out very clearly. And from Alex, it was really powerful to hear her experience of navigating different spaces, especially as a black woman, and that feeling of being taxed repeatedly, which builds a burden and a fatigue that you can hear come out. Having said this, it's a light conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you all very much for coming. And today we have Alex and Connor. So without further ado, give you guys a chance to introduce yourself. Good evening. I am Alexandria Njenga. I am here... I'd like to put my voice um, in this particular space to have perhaps a different side of the expatriate Kenyan story. Maybe to also dip into give different opinion also across gender lines as well as across racial lines. Hi everyone and thanks Arnav for inviting us. It's great to be here. So I came to an event a few months ago and really appreciated the conversation that was happening and it's not really a conversation that I've heard in Kenya before at least openly in the public I mean you have these conversations elsewhere in private with your friends and that so it was it's nice to be part of a platform that's actually trying to make changes and to address issues in a meaningful way and a way that bridges gap and so that's what I'm here for I've been coming to Nairobi on and off for about five years and I've been living here full time for a little over a year now. So I'm kind of just bringing my experiences of what I've learned uh, working here previously. We'll get deeper from that, but thanks guys. And I think the focus, as you said, Alex, is also to bring a bit of lightness to this. We're gonna have fun, hopefully you guys too as well. One of the issues with the way in which polemics, but this podcast is framed is Kenyan expat. And within that there's an implicit notion of Kenyans are this and expats are, are that. And beyond that, there's a huge plethora and diversity. And what I think is good is you guys both bring a s- slightly different nuance, a slightly different tack to both your sides. And maybe we can start there with from kind of what background you come to this discussion. So, Alex. So I have had the privilege to travel widely. I've had the privilege to live abroad as well as live here. I would say um, what I'm bringing today is first-hand experience, having um, friends, expatriate friends in Kenya, having the, the relationships that I've had across 
either just pure friendships or even the romantic relationships that I've had across the, the, the races and with expatriates also of African descent, I feel that that experience would be a richness or a different side of the conversation that I can bring. And I think beyond that, one thing you touched on earlier is, is the fact that you are a Kenyan and a woman. And that yes. creates you know, your own experiences. And yeah. I firmly believe that we cannot just deal with being um, Kenyan when you're, because the experiences that a Kenyan woman has in an expatriate relationship will differ completely from the experiences that a male will have. And of course, we're going to get deeper into that. But yes, it's a very important distinction that I experienced that as a Kenyan female in Kenya. So I suppose uh, you could say I'm like the token white guy at the table, and that's the perspective I'm here to bring. But I don't feel part of the expat community in Nairobi, partly or at least the like expat bubble, because I've always been on the periphery of it. I came to Kenya originally in 2017 working in hospitality on the coast. I have been a serial immigrant for the last 10 years. I left Ireland when I was 21, and I'm 32 now, so I've, all my formative years have been in a lot of different places on like four different continents. So I was bringing a lot of baggage to Nairobi as well and insights I've had, so I was kind of primed to just be a bit more aware, I think, than a lot of people of a lot of the issues around being an expat. I've lived in places where it's far worse, like Thailand, for example, where there's just a whole other level of issues. And I feel like a lot of people who, a lot of like Western expats, white expats who come to Nairobi, might be their first time out of their home country. They might be very young, that some of them aren't. And I just feel that there's a huge gap between how maybe we, and I include myself in this, as even as I'm saying this, how we perceive ourselves in Kenya and then how we're perceived in Kenya. Distinct and funny ways that I have to live with every day. And having also been in relationships with Kenyan women and seeing the emotional labor that they have to go through, it's just, it can be quite difficult. And I think it's something that we need to sit down and all kind of have a bit of a reckoning with to make it easier for everybody involved, but mostly for Kenyans. Maybe we can jump there into, into those two elements. Okay. You are white, but you're also Irish. And, yes. and what does that mean from your perspective? So if anyone's familiar with Irish history, which I'll sum up as 800 years of misery under the thumb of the British Empire, a big chunk of our country is still part of the British Empire. And if you want, every, there's like two or three things that Irish people are known for being around the world, being the lovable drunks of planet Earth, which I certainly lived up to for a very long time, hating the English, and generally being pretty friendly. So every day that I'm in Kenya, people assume that I'm English. And to an Irish person, that's really fucking annoying. <laughs> and for me, when I get called a colonizer, when I get called, I'm like it, just English full stop. Like I'm perceived as one thing that goes against everything that's in my identity as an Irish person and everything we identify ourselves as because our entire history is defined by being a colony and being the first colony, the colony on which they learned everything that they did everywhere else. But, I do understand that to 99% of Kenyan people, they have no idea what Ireland even is. 
so I get why they're associating me with what they know as white people and then where that resentment comes from. I understand all of that, but it's like the intellectual versus the emotional. But it, that is one thing that is just kind of funny. It's not a big issue. And the other thing is, is even more trivial. I was once told on a date in Kenya that I look like I stab people for fun. Probably my best friend in Kenya now, who's actually my business partner, the first time he saw me with one of his friends, he thought he needed to have an intervention with her because she had fallen in with a really bad crowd because she's hanging out with a guy covered in tattoos and major resting bitch face. And that is very far from how I see myself and very far from how anyone who grew up with me would see them because I was generally the guy who like cried during rom-coms and loves playing with kittens and I'm pretty harmless. But it's a lesson again every day in how I perceive myself and how I'm perceived in Kenya are very different things. And these are very easy and, f and fun ones. And no one wants to be the villain in a narrative but to a lot of people, like Mazungu white expats are because of the history of the country and the very real trauma that's been experienced by Kenyans at the hands of white people, many of whom who still live here, because it only happened 50, 60 years ago. So that has been a crash course in, for me in um, dealing with that conflict, let's say, in your identity. I'm also very well aware that as a straight white man, this is something that I had to learn in my late 20s, whereas for a lot of other people, this is something you learn very young if you're from a marginalized group, like an min ethnic minority or the queer community. But it's just something I'm using as a very extreme example of how to maybe think about our place in the country as we're going about our day to day. Yeah. So... First, let me just respond to something that Connor said. Yeah, tattoos are a thing. Um, and you have to acknowledge that a lot of the opinions that we have have come from what we have watched or from what we have read um, because not everybody can experience that. I mean, right now you'll find a lot of people having tattoos. But yes, most of our parents will tell us that that's the wrong crowd. How I'd like to put this is I feel a lot of expatriates also come to Kenya without putting into consideration what the cultural differences are. Like you said, it could be that it's their first time to come here, or it could also be pure ignorance. But I feel there isn't a lot of homework that expatriates do when they come here. And so because of that lack of knowledge, then you come and you'll find it very difficult to form relationships with the locals. So you'll find most often than not, then you have an expatriate circle. And that happens a lot. The, the funniest thing is, some of the friends that I have would say that they wish they could have hung out a lot more with the locals. And then the question you'll ask them is, then why don't you? Then they'll say, the locals don't come to talk to us. So why doesn't that happen? A lot of it could be the cultural um, biases that we have. A lot of it could be the fact that, as you said, we see a white person and automatically we have our own... Um, not really displeasure, but we feel like the cultural gaps are too big, so we wouldn't come closer. A lot of times it could just be fear, right? Um, and then with some expatriates, it's also they exude such a superiority complex. 
this kind of we are better than you and so then the Kenyans will stick to what they know which is themselves as a people generally we're not very well versed with conflict resolution so we'll stay away from the conflict so it's easier not to hang out with you if I'm going to have to correct you all the time. Nobody wants to hang out with somebody who's going to tell you, uh, I'm sorry, you shouldn't say that. Or, you know, don't address grown-ups by their names. I, I mean, in Africa, with the respect that you have, it's you're not going to be able to call me Peter. I, I mean, I can't call you Peter if you're an older guy, but you'd find that you'd be okay with it. And so if I'm going to have to even pick those small ones and say, call him Mr. Njoroge instead. And then every single thing that you do, I'm going to have to correct you just so that we are on the same page. Then there's not going to be any form of uh, relationship. It's going to be, I'm going to end up feeling like I'm a teacher, mm. having to show you how to navigate into a relationship with Kenyans. And I mean, go to school. This is the irony. I studied at Daystar University, and believe it or not, one of the things, one of the courses that we learn is culture. We are literally taught about how to be able to appreciate other cultures, how to behave in other cultures. And a lot of the students, when they go to exchange programs, that's one of the things that they have to do. If you're going to go for a camping trip in the States or Canada or whatever, they'd give you like a three-week course on that culture. So why would you just jump in and go and visit another country and not bother to learn about the culture of that place. So when you come, we're just going to see you as snobbish and we're just going to say hi and then, you know, go to what is more familiar with us where, like you said, I don't have to carry the emotional burden of teaching you and, and then trying to still be your friend. Yeah, so this is something I've thought about a lot as well. I read an analogy once about so if someone comes into your house and then just starts judging everything about it and thinks that they know best and like your decoration, how the house is built, blah, blah. I like to see myself as a guest in Kenya and that, that comes with it a certain responsibility in how I act in the country. <laughs> and I think more people should have that mentality like, yeah, you might have been invited over here by an employer, but to the Kenyan people, we're a guest in their country. I came to Kenya completely oblivious. I got a, offered a job in Khalifi. I googled it, I looked at the beaches, and I was like, fuck yeah, I want to live there. And then I got here, and the first thing I noticed is all these posh English white people hanging around. And you're already familiar with how I feel about them, but it was just this idea of like, what? okay, they're not tourists, but they're not expats. It's like, who are all these people? And then my Kenyan colleague sat me down and explained about KCs. Like, ah, okay. And it's just little things like this that don't take a lot to learn. You know, you can Google Kenyan history books, bang, you'll get like five books, and there you go. Spend a few days learning them. But people don't make that effort. I was thinking about this conversation during the week, and I realized if I'm on a date with a Kenyan woman, the two questions I get asked the most are, why don't you drink alcohol? And then, have you dated a Kenyan woman before? And it took me a long time to realize why they're asking me why I've if I've dated a Kenyan woman before. They're trying to figure out how much work is this going to be? Is it even worth it? Am I just going to have a drink and this is the last time I ever see him? And I only really realized this like four days ago. If you don't understand where Kenyan people are coming from with some of the questions you guys ask us and some of the frustrations you have, then yeah, you can come, you can live here for a year and then you leave and you're completely oblivious of the impact that you've had in the country. 
and what you've put people through. Yeah, that idea of doing your research before you come here, and therefore it's the notion of respect to the place you're going. I'm curious, Alex, because you have expat friends. So have you had to be the teacher? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, almost all the time. So like I said, a lot of it is coming from a place of ignorance, and others it's just laziness. And you know, it's in the little things. For example, um, in the way the Kenyans would dress, in the way that we will greet each other, in the way... If I'm having friends over and friends who are uninvited crush the party, they're going to find something to eat. It doesn't really matter what it's going to be, but there will be something. As the host, you know, I will be expected to have something. And then if you're having the expert friends, they'll still have the thing for, well, you didn't call before you came, so there really isn't anything and and this is the thing the rest of us will think that that's really rude we'll just be like this is a guest in your home you give something and so it'll be in small things like those which is very easy to find I know it's frustrating for a lot of Kenyans and especially those who would hang out to always have to explain the little things Um, you also find you have to explain myself a bit a lot why do I do what I do why do I speak the way I speak why do I act the way that you act and it's taxing and if a relationship a relationship on itself without all of those is taxing any kind of a relationship so if you have to burden that on top of it it's it's just not worth it it's too much work but you have expat friends I do so you've done the work and you continue to do the work yes why um, and you can, you can tell me you don't want to be friends with me anymore. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> we are staying friends. You are sticking to my bosom. I feel they're nice people. <laughs> my husband can tell you I am very outspoken, so I'll call them out. I know if you would know. I would just tell you, I know, no, no, that, that does not work. So a lot of the friends then that w- I would have have done that kind of work, um, either because they've been here for a, 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 a bit of time or even before they came, they were able to. So... Again, that friendship isn't burdensome. It's then just a friendship. And I don't have to always feel like I am on toes because I'm going to have to explain 10 things in that one conversation. So, so it's not a taxing relationship per se. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's something to note that everything you've mentioned that's taxing, that's tiring for you, in a friendship you can go, I'll walk away. Mm-hmm. But at work, you don't have that choice. And those are the kind of things you repeatedly have to face. Yeah. Um, even in a workplace, when you try to separate your culture from, from work, it doesn't really um, work that well. Back again to also being a, a female, a Kenyan female. Kenyans are raised in a heavily patriarchal society. And whether we like to admit it or not, we carry some of those things, even when we leave. We'll say we are woke, but at the end of the day, some of those little things that your mom said to you for so long stick in your head. You know, um, don't talk back when your elders are talking to you, even if he is an asshole. Especially because we've also been geared up to see men as people who are above us. We're not equals. So even when you're having those relationships at work, some of those things will affect how you work. So if your boss is um, white and he's male, then of course the way you're going to address him is going to be completely different than if you're having to deal with a female. Um, so it's, it's going to tax you in your personal relationships. It's going to tax you in your work relationships. You're, just, you're taxed everywhere. So then the thing is then how do we bridge this gap without also exhausting ourselves mentally and emotionally and at the same time also building rich cultural exchanges and experiences. 
And maybe, Connor, you've been on the other side of that, as I have as well. What is the work you felt you've done or you've learned? These are things a new expat coming should carry, should think about. So, yeah, I think kind of like what Lexi was saying, you do need to do the work. I, I suppose kind of uncenter yourself from a situation a little bit and try to see it from everybody else's perspective. The most glaring example that I can think of was anyone who lives in a building with a lot of expats. If you have Kenyan visitors, they're all going to get ID'd, they won't be allowed in. But if you have a white friend turn up, then they'll walk straight through the door. If you have two friends who are in an interracial relationship, it will still happen. Kenyan girlfriend or boyfriend will get ID'd, but the Mzungu partner will just walk in. And I think in a situation like that, you really have to look at what's happening there and assess the, I don't have the vocabulary for it, the power dynamics or the just the privilege, the hierarchy that's going on. And you do have to step up and say, this is not acceptable. And okay, that's like, you're not going to change anything overnight. I just feel you have to be an ally sometimes. And you also have to call others out, like call each other out and call your expat friends out. And if you're at a party and someone's saying something that's really stupid about Kenya or Africa, who hasn't been here for what, like two months, and they've got the whole place worked out, like we do have a responsibility, I feel like a moral responsibility to stand up and say, guys, this is unacceptable. And that is hard. There is plenty of situations I've been in where I should have and I didn't. It's up to us to do the work, those of us who are benefiting from the terrible system that we're all part of. And I think that's the other thing. I don't see myself as part of this like global white supremacist, capitalist system that is destroying the planet and subjugating people in the global south and whatever, but I am. And no one wants to be the villain in a narrative. And you as an individual might not be, but as a demographic, you know, you can be seen to be. And you have to accept that, yeah, I'd like to think I've done the work. You guys can judge based on tonight. But you have to also acknowledge that, okay, I may feel like I've done the work, but maybe I have more work to do. But also, the Kenyans you meet out on the street, they don't know that. They don't know that you've read whatever book or that you've watched whatever movie before you got here. They just see you as one as any other tens of thousands of expats that are in Kenya because it's kind of mind-boggling how many there are. Thanks, Connor. I think one thing that's coming out of this is this notion that there's... I think a lot of this podcast has been around kind of pointing out what are the issues and what are the things not to do and, and the work that we as expats need to do to be thoughtful, to be engaged. And it's easy to look at a long list and say, okay, great, I'm not doing any of these things wrong. But the real commitment is taking the power and the privilege we have and looking towards allyship. And maybe I'm not actively committing any wrongs, but I'm in a very unique power position to be at those tables, to be in those parties, or you might choose to avoid them, but, but nonetheless, be in those places where if you speak up, you will be heard, you will be listened to much more, and, and that is the kind of responsibility you carry as well if you really care about these issues and you care about your Kenyan friends or, or partners. I would also add, just also expect to not be invited to those parties anymore, because that also can happen. 
I, I wanted to address something that Connor said um, about him being white and dating a Kenyan. Um, as a Kenyan woman dating a white man, one of the first things that most people will think is I'm a whore. I mean, they're just going to look at me and they're going to think that I'm using this white guy as a poverty eradication tool. And so, believe it or not, I will be treated that way. It, it will not matter, even if we sit in a setting like this and I pick up the tab, the waiter will still look at me like I'm his whore. It will happen in Nairobi, it will happen in Kisumu, it will happen in Watamu, it will happen everywhere. Um, and so, a lot of the behaviors of of the Kenyans because of that bias, because of how they look at me, I'm going to stay away from it. So you'll find as an expatriate, when you're trying to have a relationship with Kenyans and they're a little bit averse towards that, it's because of, of, of what that's going to come with. It won't be just dating corner. I promise you tomorrow, uh, by the way, I am married and my husband is here. <laughs> but <laughs> if I sit with you, and just have drinks like this tomorrow, and we're just having a business meeting or not, I can tell you when the waiter comes, the way he look at you and the way he look at me will be so different. He will look at me and there'll be a tinge of disgust in his face. And then he will look at you and he'll give you whatever respect you have. And the irony though is, if the roles are switched and it's a white woman sitting with a black man, then the guy is getting some respect. You know, they're looking at him like, wow, how did you lock that down? So that's why I'm telling you, even the generals cannot be removed from this. So my fellow black man is going to be given congratulations and a slap on his back for, you know, go you, you nabbed yourself a white woman, and I'm going to be told you're such a whore. Why couldn't you stick with your own? And, and now, because of that, then you'll see a lot of Kenyan women will be like, whoa, before I commit to this relationship, I have to be aware of what the bias is in my own community. Um, and when you're in that relationship, some of the things that you'll hear, some of the things that the, you know, your um, expatriate partner will tell you will, will kind of shock you. First of all, uh, again, honey, I'm just going to be very open. <laughs> some of the things that you hear when you're dating a white guy is for the women. They're going to expect us to be the sex goddesses that they watch on porn. We are going to be expected to do miracles, signs and wonders on that bed, you know. And, and you, you're going to wonder, where, where did all of this come from? And, and that bias is going to be a lot of it from your first date or your second date. You're going to see it in small things. Before long, you're going to be told, you know, why don't you wear shorter dresses? Why don't you put your hair? Oh, I don't like, you know, I don't like my dates having kinky hair. Tomorrow, then I'm going to be expected to have a long weave because he likes people, you know, his African ladies with weaves and, and ridiculous things like those. So, again... That tax burden is, is too much. And worse than that, like when he said, call them out, I think for me what usually even hurts me the most is that the guy you're with doesn't even say anything. He won't defend the Kenyan he's with. He'll just allow her to be called. And they will. They'll probably say it in Swahili because they think he's not going to understand. And he's not going to say anything about it. I had some experience of this like you said usually it happens in Swahili so you can be oblivious to it as a guy like I get that especially if, like you first arrived or some of the things that have been said to women that I've dated like someone asked a girl an ex-girlfriend once just came up to her and was like how much but she had to translate it for me I don't I feel like again even just the translation just finding out what is being said also exacts a certain burden, right? Because 
I shouldn't be oblivious to these things, but sometimes I am. I have been. You walk into a shop, and my friends will point out, like, if they walked into that shop alone, and then if they walk into that shop with me, two completely different experiences. Of all the misconceptions and preconceptions that people bring to Kenya, it's like the white dudes coming from North America and Europe that have the worst. And I think if you don't hang out with Kenyan women, you don't hear the stories of the things that they're said, even just on dating apps, because it starts before you even meet us. Like, if you just look at a Kenyan woman's Tinder for like half an hour and see the shit that white guys say to her, it's horrible. And you, so you can't even go on a dating app without, like, you don't even have to wait till you meet the guy before he's already just dumping all of the like toxic racialized masculinity and prejudices and hypersexuality on women here it's definitely something that needs to be addressed and I think it's something that isn't on Kenyan women to do anything about and I say this to the two or three other white guys in the room that it is something that we have to kind of like it's up to us to make that change because they're not saying it to their white female friends also like guys will hide this because you know it's wrong at the end of the day like well i think at this point love to open for a few questions that people might have or comments <laughs> from their own experiences or, or friends that they know so does anyone have something they want to add to this I understand that we require experts to do work, and I, and I fully agree, and I'm a proponent of it in the workspace. But when it comes to the personal side, I think we need to extend some grace, because what we are asking for is not necessarily very easy information to find. And I can give you this example as a Luya Kenyan, where my circles are full of privileged Kikuyus, who many times didn't know the difference between a Luo and a Luya, and they're still my friends. So I guess separate this from work. If you're coming here to work, do your homework. You shouldn't come here assuming you understand what low-income women feel, go through, or need. But on a personal basis, I don't know, I'd just like to extend some grace, and hopefully some grace will be extended back to me. Because I imagine if... And the, the company I worked for was, had very many nationalities. So seeing the relationship of my colleague and his girlfriend allowed me to say, in personal relationships, as long as you're approaching the questions with humility, I'm happy to answer anything. And I'm happy to share my culture with you. Hopefully, you'll share your culture with me. And in the midst of that, I can learn something different about myself. And you can learn something, like tap into something different about you. So yeah, that's my comment. I fully agree with you, which was why when um, Arnav asked, I still have expatriate friends, and I still hang out with them. On a personal level, Again, you will see th there are small things that you can explain. Uh, for me, when I talk about doing the work, it's, it's in the more general way. For example, I mean, if you go to Saudi Arabia, you'll know you're not going to shake someone's hand, right? You know you're going to either bow or like such things like those. It's the kind of homework that I would expect you to do. 
even before you got here? How do they greet? How do they generally behave? So that then you're not going to go to my village in Busia and you're wearing shorts. If you had done your homework before that, you would have known that they would have found it extremely displeasurable, you know? So it's, that's the kind of homework that I'm saying, do before you get here, so that at least you're not starting from zero. It's, it's, it's easier for me to pick you up from class one than have to also teach you how to read and write, right? Yeah. But yeah, you had some really good points about extending grace, which is one of the ways that we can also bridge the gaps that we have amongst us. We extend grace. But I think for me, the question then is how much grace before it also becomes mentally exhausting? It's... Thank you both. I wanted to echo a lot of what you said, especially from a perspective of having multiple identities. So I'm African, but I'm not Kenyan, and came to Kenya as an immigrant or expat. And then also actually being an expat working in the workplace, it's an easy trap to fall into, which is where you exclude yourself. So a place that I worked, I was the only non-Kenyan there. So then they just thought, I thought she was better than everyone. This is where you have the responsibility as someone who's coming in, where you have to humble yourself and also not think your ideas are the best ideas or that you are here to teach and save people and teach to revolution. Like, you know, things work here, things work really well. So learn and the expats that do make that effort will integrate over time much better. And I think I did over time where I found, actually, let me learn first. And then when you come from that place, people are more willing to listen to your ideas and accept those ideas because they can position them in kind of humility and coming from a good place. Um, and but having conversations like this and people being open to have these conversations like this is really, really, really important. So thank you, guys. The bias goes both ways. Um, I had said that if you find an African man dating a white woman, then he'll get a clap on his back. Except if he has dreadlocks. I'm very serious. You think he's a beach boy? Most, that's the bias that comes now on this end. So one of the biases that then we as, as Kenyans on this end have to also do the work to try and overcome. And, and maybe we should also be a little bit more open-minded and see that interracial relationships, whether they are romantic relationships or friendships, can also, can just be out of mutual understanding and mutual interest. So we have to do the work on both instances. It's just unfortunately for the expert community, like you said, because you're the guests, you just have to work a whole lot more. And that if you're in a position where again like you're struggling because you you see yourself as like I you know I've I feel like I have done the work and you're not getting the response you would hope for like you need patience um, and you need humility just remember that like okay like there's a dynamic here that I'm part of whether I want to be or not and that I have to factor that in and just persevere and try each day each week to do better. It's also just that if you're a Kenyan, I'm guessing if you have people come into your city for six months and they want to be best friends for six months and then they leave and then you get another group and they want to be best friends, maybe they stay for a year 
it's too tiring. And I get that because I used to work in backpacker hostels, so I would have that every four days. And after a while, someone comes up to you and you're like, hey man, they want to be your best friend. You're like, how long are you here for? Uh, a week? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with my friends now. You need to make a concerted effort. I've had to learn new hobbies. Like I've been learning Afro-Latin dance to do exactly this, to get out. And you need to see it from other people's perspective as well. Like I was saying, if you're trying to make friends with somebody, also, if I'm trying to make friends with Lexi, like she already has her friends. You've friends you've known for all your life. You have your family, you have your job. I've been here for two months and I'm trying to get her to like make time for me. That's hard and that, that's expecting a lot of somebody. And then you have everything else we've talked about on top of that. So you need yeah, humility and patience as well. I agree with what you said about finding the friends away from your circles. Like Arnav said, we have some expatriate friends. When you talk to them, they say it's hard to find Kenyans to hang out with. Um, my response to that would be, not really. If you move away from, even 100 meters away from your expatriate group, you'll bump into a Kenyan. On your way, this is literally Kenya. You will bump into a Kenyan at every corner. It's really not that hard. If you just give it a little bit of an effort at your workplace, um, when you're queuing, let me just tell you, Kenyans are so random. If you just say hi to anybody, even at the ATM, they'll say hi back. I promise you they would. So if you really want to be able to make those friendships, just go. Just wake up one morning and say, do you know what? I actually want to hang out at a different club. Maybe today you're not doing Alchemist. Uh, maybe today you're going to come to... What's that? To Georgians on, on Gong Road and eat Nyamachoma there. So step out of your comfort zone, step out of your expatriate communities, and, and, and step into Kenya. I'm pretty sure even in your apartment building. And, and if you're living in an apartment building where the entire building from the seventh to the ground floor is filled with expatriates, yeah, you're not going to be able to make any friends, so move. And I know that's also asking too much, but I'm just trying to say is if you really want to have a Kenyan experience with the Kenyans in the Kenyan way, they're open. The only thing that would make Kenyans maybe not come towards you again is what we said. If you're going to come at me with a superiority complex, um, your systems don't work, your waiters are slow, your traffic is too much. If you're just going to be whining about everything that goes wrong in Kenya from the start to the end of the conversations, then no, I'm not going to invite you out again. And this is to all of the expatriates, regardless of what your nationality or what your race is. It would be, it's, it's much simpler than you think to integrate into the community. And we're not asking you to, to make bosom friends. I'm not asking you to bond with me and marry me tomorrow or best friends. No, I'm just saying, hang out, have a drink, have fun. It, it would be such a shame if you've come all this way for six months and then you go back and you literally only had the Kenyans where you work or the guy who cleans your shoes or washes your dishes or the lady who brings you your grocery you know great so i think with that i want to give a big round of applause to both alex and connor <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode if you know a friend who's in a relationship of such a kind or someone that really needs to hear this advice maybe take this as an opportunity to open that conversation and share the episode with them Another opportunity will be a panel event I'll hold in Nairobi coming up in May. So I hope to see some of you there.